You know, it's, it's pretty incredible to be able to celebrate um, faithfulness like this, Hal. So thank you uh, for letting us take, it seems kind of silly to take a few moments in a service to try to wrap up uh, just the 39 years here and then the ministries before that. But I hope uh, that this is something that's very meaningful and special to you as all of us want to express love and appreciation to you for the impact that you've had on our life. And thank you so much for that. Uh, it's, it's incredible when we see someone use their gifts in such an incredible way for such a long amount of time and to see the impact that that can have on people. And so we're encouraged as well to continue to use our gifts. Uh, you know, last week as a church, we did something uh, different for us, not something that's never been done before. But instead of gathering as this for worship, we gathered in the street and then we went out into the community and uh, we served our community and we worshiped uh, by going out and serving. Over 130 people were involved. We did seven different projects throughout the community. Uh, 140 bags of mulch were used. We'll just put it that way. Uh, 40 flower beds. I think they were all at Peggy Hicks' house. I don't know. But uh, we, we packed 11,000 meals uh, for kids in need that will be used for a ministry in Mexico that feeds 250 kids a day. Uh, we, we put together a thousand hygiene kits that are used by disaster relief that go out in times of need. Um, Janine let us tear stuff down. So that was fun too, Janine. We got to swing hammers and, and tear things down and, and help out there. Uh, I just got to tell you this, and I'll forget, so I'm just going to, hey, everybody, I'm talking to Janine. Mason was like, I want to go there because I want to see what's in Roger's shed. So that was what he wanted to do there uh, for that day. So we were just thankful to be able to partner. But we, we actually got to put our talents uh, into action in a different way. But I'm also reminded that every week that we gather together, just about the same amount of people are pouring themselves into different things. We have people that greet outside. We have people that run the tech team. We have people that help teach in Bible study classes and take care of the kids. And it just takes a lot for this thing to happen. And watching people use their giftedness and find the joy of serving is just an amazing, amazing thing that I have the opportunity to do often. And I'm so thankful for it. And so today, as we said, we're starting a new sermon series. We're going to be in the book of Philippians for the summer. And there's really an underlying question that I want to ask today, and we're going to wrestle with this pretty much all throughout the summer and just let this one sink into us. And that's this question, do I want to go to church or do I want to be the church? Because there's really a difference in, in, in the two. You know, some people are just satisfied with going to church, but then I end up talking to them often and they're like, now, I just don't see that God's working in, in this way in my life, or I don't understand why I don't, you know, have a walk with God like this other person I talk to or what's going on. And, and I just, you know, sometimes want to go, well, it's just because you're going to church. You're not actually trying to be the church. You're not actually trying to take the word of God and put it into practice and, and do these things. And you know, we talked in my Bible study today about all the excuses and things that people have and the reasons that they use and the seasons of life that make it difficult at times. But the bottom line is when we begin to use our giftedness, God does incredible things when we get to actually be the church. And Paul is writing to this church in Philippi that he had established. And, and the reason he's writing to them is not saying, man, your building looks great. 
And he's not saying you're doing a great job with your programs. He's saying, man, you're doing a great job in partnering with me in the ministry and being the church. And he's writing to encourage them to continue to do so. So I invite you to open your Bible with me to Philippians. I want to read starting in chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at these words. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, we've seen a wonderful example today of what the church is. And I just remind you of this. Church is not a place, it's a people. It's a people. And it's the people that matter. It's it's not the, the, the place, it's the people. And the people living out God's word and loving on one another. And what makes today special is that we're recognizing people. And the work that people have done and the impact that people have had on one another and the relationships, that's what's special about today. And that's why it's so important to understand that when we take the opportunity to be the church instead of just going to church, it will transform not only our lives, but the lives of everyone around us. You know, we've said that our vision for this church is to be a place where people discover they're fully known and fully loved by God. And I'll just go ahead and tell you this. It's not going to happen because I'm going to preach it. It's going to happen when we begin to live it. It's going to happen when we, when we link arms and we begin to be the church and we go out and we love one another, not just on Sunday for a few hours together, but as we take the message of the gospel. And as Paul says about the Philippians, as we work as partners to see God's word advanced in this community and even around the world. And so that gets me excited. I'm excited about those type of opportunities. And when we do this, we begin to understand some things that happen within that. You know, we live in kind of this consumer mentality right now in our culture where people, whether they believe it or not, or whether they realize it intentionally or not, we're constantly asking ourselves the question, well, what's in this for me, right? You know, we, we go somewhere, well, what can I get out of this? Or what will they do for me? But what Paul is saying is that the reason the Philippians are experiencing the favor of God is because they flip that question around. They begin to discover the joy of saying that they're living saying, well, what's, what can I do for you? How do I bring more to this place? What does it mean when I get to be the church? And so Paul is showing them 
thankfulness because of the way that they're living these things out. And the amazing thing that happens, I say this often, that many times when we begin to understand God's word in our life, it's not just countercultural, it's counterintuitive. There are things that we kind of drift into as a human being that we just kind of come by naturally. But when we go to God's word, it leads us in a different way. And we have to be intentional about it at first because if we're left to our own natural desires, we're just going to kind of drift for things to be centered about us. But every time that God's word gives us a command or an instruction, it's so that we can find life and life to its full. And so that's what we need to understand today is that this gives us a way to have life at its fullest. And one of the ways that we do that is learning that things aren't always about me. They're about me being able to give back and to find joy in serving and in being the church, not just attending the church. And so when we begin to do that, some things begin to happen. One of the first things that comes to mind is, is that we begin to find genuine community. You know, Paul writes, because of your partnership in the gospel. He wasn't looking at the church in Philippi like this, like, I'm Paul, look at me, and I'm doing all this work, and I need you people to support what I'm doing. That's not how Paul approached this. Paul was saying, man, we're partners in this. The work that you're doing and the work that I'm doing is working together to further the kingdom of God. And so Paul Paul treats them as friends and as people who are partners and who are working together in this. And there's a reason that we do that is because he understands that at the foot of the cross, we're all level. Is that if it weren't for the grace of God, none of us would have anything. God poured out his love so that we can have a relationship with him because we had broken that relationship because of our sinfulness. And that's true for everybody in this room and everybody hearing this online. Every single one of us are at the same place of need when it comes to our relationship with God. And so Jesus Christ paid that price on the cross and then he overcame sin and death through the resurrection so that we can find life in knowing him and following him. And that's true for everyone and that's what binds us together in genuine community. That's where we all come together and go, I have the same needs that you have. I need a God that loves me, that knows me, and that has saved me from my sins, and so do you. And so we begin at that place with genuine community. I love the way he puts it in 2 Corinthians. He says, for the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. That gives us a focus in life. I'm no longer living a life that's just focused on myself, asking the question, what can I get out of it? I'm living a life that wants to connect with others and seeing where I can pour into others. We're going to look at this in a couple of weeks, but he writes in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not for their own interest, but rather for the interest of others. You know, so often people wake up on a Sunday and they make the determination about, do I want to go to church based on what they think they're going to get out of it? But very rarely do people wake up and go, man, I can't wait to be there because I get to do something for someone. And it'll change your life when that perspective begins to change, that I have to be there because I get to love on someone today. I have to be there because I get to do something for someone today. I have to be there because I get to serve someone today. That's when you begin to find genuine community. And the amazing thing that happens in this is it's the more that we pour out for others, then the more that we receive for ourselves as well. 
Now, some of you just heard that as a formula for friends, and that's not what this is talking about. But what I'm saying, the amazing thing about God is you can't outgive him. That every time that, that we put ourselves in a position to say, God, I just want to pour myself out to you, then his grace and his love and his provision abundantly pours out on us. Because God wants what's best for us, and he wants us to have life that goes beyond anything that we can imagine. You know, another great thing about being the church rather than just attending the church is that you begin to find encouragement for the journey because the journey's tough. Life has highs and lows and everything in between. And we need God in every part of it. And there are times that we just need to find that encouragement. And when we, we, we buy into the culture that tells us that everybody has to be a self-made person or you need to figure this out for yourself, then we miss out on the joy of just being around people and finding encouragement. And it's, it's not about what we say or what we get right. Can I just tell you something? Being in the church, as long as I've been in the church, honestly, I can't tell you a whole lot of words of advice that people have spoken into my life. I can just tell you they were there. And I can tell you they walked the journey with me. And, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know that I ever give that many great words of advice, but it doesn't keep me from trying to be there for someone else. And, and I just, I can tell you story after story after story, most of the time of walking through some dark valleys in life, when I, when I go find people who I know have walked similar roads and I'm just waiting for them to just tell me, how did you get through this and what did you do? And they look at me and they pat me on the back and they go, you'll make it. And I go, is that it? Is that all you got? I'm hurting. But that's what we need is this community that walks together, this encouragement for the journey. And I love the promise that Paul writes right here. He who started a good work in you will carry it to completion. If God has begun it in your life, his word is faithful and true and he will see it through to the end. And along the way, he gives us one another to walk this road together and find the encouragement. John, the apostle, writes this about the church that he had been a part of. And, and he says these beautiful words, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in the truth. He's not talking about his own kids. He's talking about the church. And he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that the church is walking in the truth. And when we're walking in the truth along the way and it's God's truth that's guiding us, then we find that encouragement that we need. We find true encouragement. And you know what I mean, right? Not, not Facebook encouragement, not a like or a love or a thing like that where we go, ooh. But we find real words of truth. I've had people who speak truth into my life. Sometimes the truth that I embrace them and go, thank you for that. Sometimes the truth that I go, I don't know that I like what you said right now, but I need to process that. But that's what you find when you have genuine community and encouragement for the journey. That's why he writes in Ephesians, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Jesus, who is the head, Christ, okay? He wants us to grow in our faith and we need those people to speak into our lives. And more than anything else, what I see in this passage though, is it gives us something that's beyond ourselves. We can have a mission worth living for. Can I just tell you something? Living for yourself, not only is it kind of boring, it's really kind of empty. Because I don't care what it is that you're pursuing, if you're pursuing it for self, the answer to the question, how much is enough? is always just a little bit more. There's no satisfaction in living for self. You can try all of your life to do it and you may have seasons that you enjoy it, but ultimately you're gonna find that very empty. But when Paul writes these words that you're all partners with me 
in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He's painting this beautiful picture that we have all found a reason worth living and dying for. We've found the reason for life and for coming together. You know, he mentions at the first of the letter that Paul and Timothy are writing this letter together. And Timothy was with him along many of his journeys. And later in life, when Paul was in prison and Timothy was off to continue the work in Ephesus, he he writes to Timothy personally and he says these words to him, therefore I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and of sound judgment. Paul looks at Timothy late in life and says, look, there's, this is all worth it. As I'm about to lay my life down, I just want to remind you, you just fan into flame the things that you're doing and you keep it going because every bit of this is worth it. God has given you a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and you can find life in him and live that out and make an impact on others. You, know, you realize when we say it's, it's about people again and, and not necessarily about the programs or the place or all the stuff that goes around it, When I look at Jesus's life and his ministry, I'm reminded that, you know, he could have done it any way that he wanted to, but he chose a group of men with a simple invitation of just come follow me. And then he he spent a little over three years with them going around and doing all kinds of miracles and works and teaching and everything. But then when it all was said and done, He brought them together and he gave them these simple instructions. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you look at that sometime and you go, okay, well, well, what's he telling them? Can I just paraphrase it for you? He basically says this. Hey, guys, I've just spent three years with you showing you what to do. And now I'm about to leave. So you just go do what I did. You just keep doing what I did. And it wasn't about... The crusades and the teaching, it was about saying, hey, I'm just going to do life with people. I'm going to invite them to follow Christ, and I'm going to help them find a mission in their life that's worth living for that goes well beyond themselves. And when they discover the joy that they can have in knowing and following Christ, then we understand that that's going to be everything that they need. So each week as we go through this and we keep this question in front of us, You know, what does it mean to be the church or how do I do that? I understand that that may be something that people need to process for a while or something to think about or all of us may have that point where we just go, I don't don't even know where to start or or what to do. So each week I want to give us just a little challenge and invite you into a commitment each week of maybe taking some steps of putting these things into practice. So today I just want to wrap this up this morning with some encouraging words and a commitment in this. To be the church, I'll pray for my partners. So that's what I want to ask you to do today. Would you commit to praying for your partners in Christ? Paul referred to the church in Philippi as his partners. And so one step in being the church is just learning to pray for one another. And I know some of you are already going, two things may go through your mind. Okay, number one, I don't know anybody else here. So you ready? I'm going to give you some training. All right, Carson, I'm picking on you again. Hi, I'm Lyndall. What's your name? Oh, you're Carson. Carson, tell me a little about yourself. That's all it is. Okay, there you go. I just gave you instructions and I froze Carson on the front row just like that. There's there's no greater way than to get to know some. If if you see someone here, and I know that we have a lot of guests in here today for the Simmons to love on them, but, you know, just take some time to go, hey, 
I'm so-and-so, who are you? Tell me about yourself. That's how you get to know people. And I'm gonna tell you a great question that you can ask people. And I would love to be asked and I love to ask this question. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? I mean, I just tell people all the time. It's one of those questions that I ask a lot to people. And sometimes you get people just stopped in their tracks and they go, more money? I mean, I just, you know, they don't know what to say. But then every once in a while, this begins to open a door for people who go, man, I, I just need prayer for this. And you have this connection. And so that's the first thing. Maybe you don't know anyone. Well, it's as simple as introducing yourself and getting to know them. That's a step in being the church. And the second thing is this. You would go, I don't know what to pray. So let me just close this up with what Paul prayed for the church in Philippi. And I would just tell you, it's a great place to start. Here's what he prayed. He said, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He's praying that they grow in their relationship with Christ, that they're able to find the better way of life through Christ, that they're able to tell the right things to do, and that their life would produce fruit of righteous living that glorifies God how we want to pray. So I just want to invite you this morning, if you would just bow your heads with me for just a moment.